Welcome to the roundtable. I am Jennifer Eller, and my co-host is Mike Hill. And then today we have Trey Gerber with us. Yay. So one of the things we can say about Trey, he is, do I say this right, Nick? He is one of the original OG. Is yes. that OG? I'm OG yep. Huh? Yep. of yep. Life Church. Com- coming here from a little, a little, little boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We always tell the stories of when Trey first came when he was really little. He liked to drink beer. <laughs> so... <laughs> You couldn't have been very old because we've been 19. How old are you, Trey? 19. 19. Yeah, you said so, the church was 18 years old the other yeah, day. No, you were little, little. You were incorrect because I'm 19 and the church is 19. You did say 18 on a Sunday did morning. I? Yeah. yeah. But so how <laughs> you were. You know. so, Thanks for pointing that out, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> when, when's your birthday? June 2nd. Oh, yeah. So he was only like five months old or so. Wow. Yeah, yeah but when he got old enough, like we had a fire pit. You know, and so we would sit around the fire pit and have a beer or something, and Trey would always try to sneak up <gasps> from behind and grab it as a little, little boy, yep. you know, and drink beer, oh. you know. And so the one time we weren't paying attention to him, and we had this fire pit in Carlisle that was up off the ground, and he put his hands yeah. on the bottom of the fire pit. <gasps> had a few too many. Blist, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> blistered his whole... Third degree oh, burns. Gosh, oh, wow. yeah, no, it was, yep. it was terrible. Wow. All because he wanted beer. Yeah. <laughs> so you're still not that way. Uh, no, not anymore. Don't incriminate yourself. <laughs> no, I just laughed about it because you've been here from the beginning. So, Trey, for people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about you. What do you love to do? What's going on in life? Mm. Um, I love to be outdoors. I love to be working with my hands. Okay. And I don't like to be in school learning. Mm-hmm. And so, like... Like, what stuff you want like to do outside? So, like, in the summertime, I like to play pickleball. Up really? And oh, mm-hmm. dude, it's so fun. So you become, like, a pickleball champion? Yeah, not quite, but I'm working on it. <laughs> but it's, like, it's basically giant ping pong, and that's just <laughs> so fun to do. And then I like to ride four-wheelers and um, go golfing. Are you a good golfer? I wouldn't say I'm bad, Okay. but I would not say I'm anywhere near good. Yeah. You're like your dad, probably. Yeah. Yeah. He's a little better than I am. Really? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's yeah, still it's got amazing because it. mm. when we first came over here, we would do uh, meetings mm. on the golf course because just, for the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so mm-hmm. we would go out there and we'd go to La Fountain. Is that what? No, La Fontaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we'd go yeah. out there and you know you look at Shane and I mean like, but he's like good at everything. Mm. So he's like great <laughs> on water sports. You go out there. Can hit the ball a mile. I don't know if you still can, but yeah, back then. But we used to meet and then talk in between holes and go because he would come before work and then we'd have a meeting and leave. And mm. yeah, so you're that way too. Good mm. at most things. Yeah. Whenever I start and then whenever I actually start trying at him, I'm like, like I find out the complexities. I'm like, ah, okay, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. So outside playing golf, riding four wheelers. Yeah. Anything else? So like, are you in, do you read? Are you a book reader? I hate reading, but okay. like recently that's what God's been challenging me on is like, okay. like I need to know the word Okay. because if I don't know the word, then how am I going to reach other people? Right. So I've been trying really hard to like read like a set amount of time every day, like mm-hmm. whether it's like 10 minutes or like 20 or right. just like trying to set that time so I can read. Reading scripture. Scripture. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I hate reading, but that's something I'm working on. Okay. Um, I really like, so during the summer I was working for Dan Klein. Oh, um, yeah. The, uh, doing basketball floors. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like tough work. So I'd be working there like 40, 50 hours a week. And then 
I'd like to just come home and be lazy and just mm-hmm. do nothing. So that's what I'm pretty good at. At least you admit it. No, yeah. yeah. So, so in your leisure time being lazy, doing what? Whether it's like watching TV. That's what I'm saying. So are you a Netflix guy? Do you watch movies? Are you like Dude, a- it's anime. I love me some anime. Oh, you ever watch it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, because you can do anything you want with it. Huh? Like, there's no limitations to anime because it's animated. So you can do literally anything in the world that you want like with anime. Like, you can or they can? They can. Oh, I'm just watching. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I like watching anime. Anime like like Japanese-looking weird crap? Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Trey. Dude, you got to give it a chance. <laughs> no, okay. No, nope. Jer- Jeremy was a big anime. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. So is Isaac. Could be. Yep. I don't know. I'll have to get on him if that's true. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But I don't know, man. I just, like, my life has been school and then summertime work. Right. And so recently I just got out of school and then it was summertime, go to Costa Rica. Yeah, so talk about that. So we're, we'll kind of look at, like, where you are today. So what, so you just got back from how long ago? Uh, I think three and a half weeks. Four, okay. Four weeks maybe. Yeah, got back from Costa Rica. Yeah, I was So there what makes months. you make this decision Hey, I want to go on a mission trip. Well, I was like going through my everyday life at school and like I started to like take my faith into my own hands and I was kind of like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm no, I'm not going to college. Like I shut that door. Okay. Um, but God didn't shut that door. I shut that door. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I want to see the world. I don't want to stay in Huntington my entire life. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to go and see something. And so I was talking to one of my teachers, um, Mrs. Mrs. Rust. And sorry. (laughs) Whatever her name is. Ruth Ann Rust. (laughs) Um, And she was like, she gave me the idea, like, like, you want to travel and you love God. Like, why don't you be a missionary? I was like, Holy crap. So then that was senior year. You know, don't you think that's semester. funny that you just thought of that considering your you family was missionaries? <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I know. It's didn't crazy. stick it all in your head. Like we lived in Guatemala for like three years yeah. as missionaries. So No, yeah, I never thought of it. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah, I know. That's like God I was being stupid <laughs> and God was like, Well, here it is right in front of you. Yeah. Like and she like she was from God. Like that was from like mm-hmm. Yeah, that was from God. That was worked by God. And so then I was like, okay, like, I was like, I'm going to be a missionary. Like, I'm going to go to Africa or something. So that was my plan. Like, I was telling people, like, I'm just going to be a missionary when people would ask me. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I don't know. I kind of knew I was going to work for the summer. So I was like, I'll just work. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of pushed it aside a little bit. And then I was just going through the motions at work and through the summer. And then I knew I wanted to be a missionary. I just wasn't doing anything about it. And so one night I just felt like, a conviction from God, like, just get online and just sign up for something. Like, <laughs> like just get on and do it. Yes. And so, so, like, I got online, and, like, this tattoo that I have, mm-hmm. it's the number 83, which is, like, my Jesus number. Okay. Which, so, I need How to, do you get a Jesus I number? was struggling uh, to find God in my life, and so okay. I was like, what is a way that I can do this? I was like, my favorite number is 83. You know, every time I see the number 83, I'm going to try and think of God. Okay. And I can incorporate God into that situation. Okay. And so I started doing that. And then I got it tattooed on my wrist in Hebrew because I have Jewish blood from my mother. And so I was scrolling. Like I listened, I looked up like missionary programs and mm-hmm. I was scrolling through. And then there was just one that said experience missions like 18-30 and it was 83. 
18-30. Okay. So it was 83. So I clicked on it. I signed up for a random one. And then the next day, um, I got a phone call from uh, a lady. Her name's B, Brittany. She goes by B. And she's like, you signed up for, I don't know what I signed up for, like Belize <laughs> or something. And she's like, you signed up for this. And I was, and she's like, I've actually been praying that like, I would get another male to sign up for my Costa Rica trip because it's 11 or 12 females and only one guy going right now. And she's like, uh, I've been praying that God would send me another male. And so I think that's you. And like, it's very soon, like you only have like two months to like fundraise your $7,500 or whatever it was. And I was like, okay. She's like, you can like, you can think about it. Like, like if you could let me know about like as soon as possible, like, so we can make this work. And so that was Wednesday night was the night I signed up for it. And then Thursday I got a phone call from her. And then that Friday I committed to going and we, she gave me like a debrief and everything. And so that's how like I got into that. Right. And that was like, like I was just ready to go. Like I was just ready for like a step outside of my comfort zone. Like I was waiting for God to just put something. Mm -hmm. So I just, I was like, yes, screw it. I'll like, I want to go. Like I want to do something for God. And so that's how that went. And then I don't know, leading up to that, like I was kind of still doing the same thing. Well, let's talk, I mean, first of all, let's talk about the journey. So the journey of getting prepared for, because I mean, so here's what's cool about being your age. Like you can be somewhat random, right? Yeah. So you can Absolutely. be somewhere sitting there like, hey, God convicted me to sign up for a mission trip. I'm going to go on the website and look for anything that says 83. <laughs> and I mean, you just send me anywhere in the world, yeah. right? Like yeah. that is yeah. the cool thing. This is what I always say about young people. And this is why we should always invest mm -hmm. everything we can because that those things can be life altering mm -hmm. the convictions mm -hmm. and you can actually do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody, you know, if Jennifer gets this conviction, she's supposed to go across <laughs> the world. She has a lot more to think about, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. when it comes to that. So you're at this place and we'll get to this. So you're journeying through, you get to this place, God's convicting you to do more. Now you sign up. Now you're committed. You're going to Costa Rica. So talk about what was it about the process leading up or even in Costa Rica where you felt like, because, I mean, you can share maybe a little bit of what you did, but honestly, this is what I think. So I don't know if this is true with you, but most of the times we do some things on missions, but at what it really does to us, right? Like when we're there. Yeah. You we're know, going there for them, but really they're there yeah, for there, us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happens inside of your heart yeah. when you make a decision of obedience, you mm -hmm. know, and it could be a mission trip or anything, but a, a decision of obedience tends to not only help somebody else, but it really helps us. Yeah. So can you talk through some of those things? Like maybe give a brief, what were, what did you do while you were there? Like, so, was it a, a broad perspective? So my group was 13 people, which um, is also the amount of people that Jesus walked around with, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but the first two weeks we were in Costa Rica, we were in the capital and we were at a Spanish learning school. So we learned the basics of Spanish in two weeks. And then from there, we went to Talamanca, which mm. was like basically the country folk of Costa Rica, right. like the farmers. Like there's people walking up and down the streets with machetes going to the plantain farms all day long. Right. And so we were there for eight weeks and there was six host families and 13 of us. So there was two to a house and then three in my house. I was with the group leader and another girl. 
And what we would do is we would do labor for the people in our village and in the village next to us, village community, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And so we were digging with pickaxes and shovels, or we were carrying lumber through the rainforest that they cut down in the middle of the rainforest, that they cut down this giant tree and then made wood planks mm-hmm. out of it for houses and stuff. And so we were doing labor for their community. Um, and we were painting in schools, but like the biggest reason we were there was to show them that we loved God. Like mm. we weren't there to tell them how much we loved God and mm. tell them all these things about the Bible because we couldn't because they only spoke Spanish and we knew not enough Spanish to do that. Right. So what we were there to do was to show them like how to love God and how to be a man or a woman of God and be obedient to God. And so that's the main thing that we did was show them. And also there were so many people there that were already doing that and showing us and teaching us and pouring into us. And so, yeah, it was, it was very life changing because like, it's just like a whole nother level of selflessness and Mm -hmm. like, like finding joy in working for other people Mm -hmm. right like you're not yeah like everything you did was for others and like they knew it Mm. and yeah they were just so grateful and like they were so giving and welcoming and like their culture was just so different than ours Mm -hmm. um with how welcoming and like encouraging they were and yeah it was a very cool experience in uh, our Pentecostal church to see how they worship the Holy Spirit and to see like how on fire like people can be for God and like how much the Holy Spirit can work inside people. And you got to be a Pentecostal to make that happen. Don't got to be. <laughs> Just got to believe, brother. <laughs> What'd you do at night for fun? Yeah, so that we'd work in the morning from seven to seven to lunch and then the afternoon we didn't do anything so like it depended how hot it was pretty much like if it was super hot like there's one day that we went to the river Mm -hmm. and like it was so hot um but most of the people from my group went but i didn't go because that same day me and my host brother actually went to walk like a 20 minute walk to his grandma's house where two other people were living from my group and we like picked mamones. Have you ever had a mamone? Mm-hmm. Oh. A mimosa? Mamone. <laughs> no, not a mimosa. <laughs> oh man, like there's these <laughs> mamone trees with these just so many mamones. Yeah, they're they're big fruits. giant mamones. They're fruits. And oh my gosh, we picked like 150 of them and we just, and then it started pouring rain when we were about to walk back. So we just walked back in the pouring rain. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the times, like, you would just, we would just sit on the front porch and do nothing. Right. Like, which was, like, such a blessing. Mm-hmm. Like, you just sit. You don't have your phone. Mm-hmm. You, all you have is this, what's around you, mm-hmm. what you see, and you're just sitting and doing nothing. Right. And then we would also, like, there was a community center um, of where we would play volleyball. And so, like, all the gringos and then all the ticos, which is Costa Ricans, would come and play volleyball like some nights during the week, like once or twice a week. And so there was like, I don't know, either we would do nothing 
or we would go play volleyball or one time we went and played ping pong. Like yeah. it's just a bunch of really random things and right. you have no idea they're going to happen until they're happening. Right. Like right. live in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about greatest challenge being over there and maybe the greatest thing you took back. Mm. What was one of the greatest challenges? Of the being greatest challenge that I had was like um, the second to last week we were there. So we were there for eight weeks. And the second to last week we were there, like whenever our time was about up, we knew like we were about to go home. Like you're either excited to go home or you're going to pour everything you have into these next two weeks. Mm -hmm. And so that Sunday before the second week, um, we went to the beach and it was very hot. And I don't know, I was either it was like heat, or sun poisoning or something but I got very very sick and mm. I had body aches and like fever and chills and just all these like my stomach was like in pain like not like I had to go take a dump like my stomach <laughs> like hurt like it was in pain <laughs> and so like that I was like yeah it'll last for like two days and then I'll be fine like I'm like I'm gonna work through it and then like that was like God like taking away like my ability to work and mm -hmm. my ability to do these things. And so that was like the hardest because like I was sick and in bed while my team was out working. Right. And like I felt like I was let, letting my team down because like I can't be doing like this labor with you guys. Mm -hmm. I was just laying in bed all day. And yeah. so that was really hard. Um, but during that, like I was started to like doubt and like get these negative thoughts in my head or be like, man, I just like, if I was home right now, this would be so much better. Like mm -hmm. I can be sick at home. Like right. I just lay in my bed to be so comfortable, like right. all these things. And I don't know. And then that was like the second day. And then my sickness got worse. And like, I started like, there was blood whenever I would poop, like in my poop, not like, yeah. So like, I was like, like there's something seriously wrong here. Like mm -hmm. I don't know if what's gonna happen to me, and so that was a moment of like, do I give up and like go and maybe go drive two hours, go to this hospital and like see if they know anything, or do I sit and do I wait and do I trust hmm. and do I worship while I'm absolutely like feel miserable, like can I worship, like, can I praise God while I'm doing this? And that was from one of my, one of my, uh, fellow gringos. He was actually like got sick while I was sick and he was sharing it with the group. Um, how he was, it was like 3am. He was sitting by the toilet puking and he had his phone and he was listening to worship music while he's puking. And there was a sticker on the, on his water bottle that said, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so then like his sickness, like fed into my sickness of like, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And like this person that I'm with is strong enough to be able to worship while he was doing that. Mm -hmm. So like, why can't I, why can't I praise God for this sickness? Like right. God gives me strength. God gives me healing. Like he's also going to take that away. Right. Like that's his. And so it was a matter of like being able to praise God, like for the sickness and like, because I know he had a reason, and during that time, my relationship with my family was altered, and like my Costa Rican family, and like it was hard to talk to him because I just felt like I wasn't doing enough. Like I was 
like horrible. Like I couldn't do anything, mm-hmm. couldn't help anything. Um, and so that was altered. And then my host mom, like such a strong Christian, like she just constantly loved me. Like mm. I was miserable and she was like, like she just kept showing me her love. Like she wasn't telling me she loved me. She was showing yeah. me through all of her actions, all these things that she was doing for me. And so then, um, through that sickness, like it went, I went from God, why have you forsaken me to thank you, God? Like, mm. I, I don't know if I needed this or not, but it's from you. I know it's from you. Like I'm praising you for this. Um, and then that eventually led like into prayer of like, God, like I need help with my relationships with my family. Like they're altered. Like I've been down, like my relationships are bad right now with my family. And so God, like almost the next day, like immediately answered that. And mm. like, I wasn't talking to my host dad. And then like a day at church, um, there was a church and then like a soccer game and there's ladies selling food. And like, we were in the church, we did the uh, sermon and then we went out and ate a little bit. And then we went back in the church and like, we're sitting till the soccer game started. And I heard that it started and I walked out and that was like the first time that I'd ever seen my host dad at the church was that day and he had a Ronaldo shirt or jersey mm. on and so I went up to him and I was like que pasa Ronaldo like mm-hmm. like just like being like I felt I felt God like just allow me to be myself and like be like the goofy like right outgoing person that I am right and like he just like instantly had a smile on his face and he was so mm. happy to see me and like I don't know and then like from that like that was the second to last week and then the last week was like the best week I was there. Like mm. my fa- my relationship with my family was like so strong with my host dad and my brothers and we were working together the whole week and like it was just like such a great week and it was like such a blessing from God to be like down in in the dumps, like sick, like like wondering if there's something like seriously wrong with my health and then God like takes it away and he heals me. Mm. Like he chooses to heal me and then he chooses to make the relationships that I had already formed even stronger. And he just like, that was like my time to harvest was like that last week. He's right. like, here you go. Like you've been faithful. You've pursued me this whole time. Like, here you go. This is, this is what I want from you. Like right. harvest. Like, yeah. And so the last week I was there was just the greatest week of my life. And I was getting up at like um, five thirty uh, with my host mom. Cause she would, she cooked for everyone in the house. There's nine people in my house and mm. she cooked for everyone in the house. So she'd get up early and uh, I was able to get up like every day that last week and like sweep and mop the house. And then like me and her would just sit on the front porch together and just like just be in each other's presence. And mm. like, yeah, it was just a great opportunity to be able to pour into her. And yeah. So the greatest takeaway that I got was like knowing that God is completely in control and my life is for God. And so if God is in control of my life and I'm choosing to live it for him, then nothing in my life, then there's going to be nothing in my life but good. Right. And it's up to me whether I want to look at it that way. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So bring it back to, so that's the biggest, so now you come back. So there's always a reacclimation process. You know what I mean? Like you get back from a mission trip and there's always a, Oh, you know what I mean? Like yeah, I'm like, back and real world. Everything's broken. Yeah. I mean, because the, I mean, this was the reality of every mission trip that I was on. Like you're there and 
you're focused on God, you're focused on your relationship, you're seeing God work. And I mean, you might get sick as crap and you might have bites all over your legs and <laughs> rashes all over your body, uh, but you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you're there, but there's something about what God does. And you come back with these intentions, like this serious intention of like, I'm never going back to the way that I was, mm -hmm. you know, or I'm never going to get caught back up in the hustle or I'm never going to get, you know, and then, then immediately when you get back into the States, it's always the same. It's like, it's a challenge to continue that same journey, that mm -hmm. same pace, that same fire, that same. So talk about the acclimation process for you. So when you got back, mm -hmm. you're obviously on fire. You, you've, you figured out uh, what you knew, but now you saw, right? You knew yeah, exactly. God, you knew what God was. That's you exactly. That, yeah, you knew that God's in control. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you've seen it your whole life with, you know, but now you've seen it. Yeah. And now it's internalized. So you come back with this idea that you can face circumstances. And even though the circumstances might not be good, they're still good because they're doing something in you. Right. Because mm -hmm. that, that's what you were saying mm -hmm. at the end is, is that you, you notice that the sickness from or the, however it worked, God worked you through it. And now you're at this place and you saw the harvest. And you, now you come back to the States. Mm -hmm. Talk about the process. You've been back for almost a month, three weeks to a month. Mm -hmm. Talk about the process coming back. Talk about that acclimation yeah. process coming back. And what have been some, again, some things that you saw, some things that have been challenging. Yeah. So okay. definitely the first thing that I noticed as soon as I got back was how broken my family was. Mm -hmm. And like, that's very hard to see whenever you just like created this family, like with these 12 other, 12 other people that you got to live your life with in like a place that was solely for God. And you create this family environment with them. And it's like, it's so good. And then, and all these things. And then you get back and you remember that that's not how it is here. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first thing that really hit me hard was how broken um like we choose to live life mm -hmm. um and then i started trenching with my cousin brett he lives in bluffton mm -hmm. and so it was i was back for five days and then i started work and if you've worked with farmers they're go 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 <laughs> constantly let's see how much we can get done so that has been my life for the last two and a half weeks is go, go, go. Let's see how much we can get done. Right. So like you said, immediately, as soon as I get back, mm -hmm. like I'm shoved into this environment where um, it's, let's forget about everything else, work as hard as we possibly can, get as much done as we can, and then come back and tomorrow and we're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading today, like what I wrote down while I was in Costa Rica and like how, um, on fire I was in Costa Rica and like I was reading that today and like looking at the person I am today like it's almost unrecognizable because yeah I'm still pursuing and yeah I'm still trying to learn more but the amount of things that God has called me to do versus the amount of things that I'm doing is it's not okay like 
Um, I definitely decided somewhere in my subconscious that it was time for me to work and that God was going to come, just not right now. Mm-hmm. And so this morning, um, when I was reading through my journaling, uh, that's what I realized was like, holy crap, like, I don't want to do anything in my life if it's not for God. Mm-hmm. And so it's realizing like it's being able to take that and realize it. And then like, instead of being like, Oh crap, like, man, look right. what I did. Like I so close, but I didn't even try. And instead of being like that, it's like being like, okay, like this is what's wrong. Like let's fix this. Like, right. what am I going to do? And so like, I would say being back, I definitely um, started to see into my comfortability and into my uh, devoting my time to God whenever it was convenient and I wanted to. I'm not saying that like I haven't been like I've still been like reaching, trying to reach people and having really hard conversations. But at the same time, like I, I still need to do more. And God's like put that on my heart today. It was like, yeah, you're doing like you're still doing good, but like you could be doing great. Like, um, yeah. You know, cause part of the hard thing is like one of the things you brought up and I think this is, this is with a lot of people. So circumstantially, um, you had a situation that brought you to your knees. Mm-hmm. Right? So situationally you get into a mission field. There is no going anywhere and fixing the problem that you have. Right. So you're in this place where God has your attention. Exactly. Right? And so, in that, you made a decision, right? The decision was, uh, just putting words into your mouth, but you made a decision to worship while you wait, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just like your friend, right? So you're going to worship through the, the circumstance mm-hmm. and wait on God, but in that process, you're going to let God do the work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there's going to be an outcome. Exactly. Right, in all of that. The struggle in America is circumstantially... The things that we can't do is worship while we wait. So when you go to work every single day, like this is the thing I struggled with. So I knew that I wanted to be in full-time ministry, made some decisions not to be, but I had some godly discontent. Mm -hmm. And so then there was this, but can I worship? Can I still worship while I wait on God to to fulfill what he wants? You know, so what's my part? What's his part? Right. So what should I do? Mm-hmm. What can he do? Because I look at it now and I'm thankful that for some of that time of preparation, some of those yeah. times of like, okay, God, this is not what I want to do, but I'm still going to figure it out. You know, I'm still going to worship you, even though I don't like being a mechanic or I don't like being a service manager. or I don't like doing some of those things, but how can I find my rhythm, Mm -hmm. you know, because, you know, it's funny about the mission field, even people that are full-time missionaries sometimes get into the same place as what happened in America. It's just a work. Mm -hmm. It's just a job. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because they go there and it's the every day I wake up and I do, and I wake up and I do, you know, so how do we take those everyday things and move forward? And that's where you're at today, right? Yeah, exactly. How do I fully fulfill what God wants me to do mm-hmm. inside of the space in which he has you. Right? Inside of my circumstance. Yeah, while you're ditching. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and like, even like there were conversations that like did come up and I'm like, I like God was like convicting like, hey, like say this or ask this. Mm -hmm. And like I had the opportunity opportunity to do that while I was ditching. Mm -hmm. And so God was still definitely working. But um, I think it's the things of like outside of ditching. Like instead of sitting down on a Saturday and watching football. Mm -hmm. for five, six hours. Like, how could I be serving God? Mm -hmm. Or just things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I'll just challenge you. Like, I would challenge everybody. I would challenge everybody to find God in every moment. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because Which, that, and that's not what... I know you're not saying that. Yeah. Like, I would just say that there are times to speak and there's times to be, you know, and in the... I think it's honestly sometimes in the being, you know, and so you're out there ditching and it's not even what you're going to say. It's you're going to be in the presence of God and you're going to let him do some work in you mm -hmm. that honestly can only get done when you're out there. Just, ditching. Well, I mean, whatever it is, I think this is for everybody. Yeah, like, I think it's for everybody. And then it prepares you for this, yeah. you know, but there is, Absolutely. I think sometimes we overlook the, God in every moment, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Let him be in us in the midst of work, in the midst of meetings, in the midst of watching basketball games, you know, mm -hmm. in the midst of traveling down the road. Then when there's these times, because let's just be honest, very seldom is there a replication of a mission trip. I wish there was. Yeah. Like I, because, I mean... When we were working with the full-time missionaries in Guatemala, you know, before you guys got there, how much problems were there? And these were people that were serving the Lord all the time, you mm -hmm. know, people that were full-time missionaries, but they had some of the same struggle, right? Is is that it's just become a job. It's just, mm -hmm. you know, we just do. And yeah. so how is everything that we do vocationally, non-vocationally committed to the Lord? Yeah. And how do you find the rhythm? That's what you're trying to find is mm -hmm. the rhythm that works for the way that you were created in the way that God wants to use you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exciting like to be able to do that because I don't think God always has to send us away, although he can, or I don't think he always that's has to, you know, definitely something I learned there too, is like, you don't have to go to a different place to be a missionary, a different country to be a missionary. Like you can start like where you're sitting. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's the, I mean, part of the misconception is, is that, Honestly, we're all missionaries for something, mm -hmm. you know, because the idea of a missionary is, is to essentially to convert somebody to something, right? Like that's the idea. You're on mission and you're over there serving, but you're serving really for the idea to present something. Yeah. And so we, you know, we do it every day in life, you know, and I think that's if we could get good at being missional, right? Like if you were missional in every single decision that you made here, Right, like every decision that you could make. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would transform everything. I just think there's a disconnect of there's my work and when I'm done with my work, I'm gonna do God's work. Yeah. And I think it's all his. Like I don't whether you work in the factory or whether you work in the the church. I mean, I think it's all the same. It's all God's work and we're all on mission mm -hmm. you know to be able to get it done so i'll be super excited have you thought through what you want your future to be or are you still doing that 
Doing what? Thinking through your future, or you're just going to be a ditcher. No, man, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> we're done for the year, bud. We got her done quick. Well, then how are you going to make no. money? Um, you have a girlfriend. You got to take her on dates. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Good plug, Jennifer. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to help you, Morgan. So. Yes. yes. Um, well, so my Mitch started a small group, mm-hmm. um, and that's something we were talking about. He's like... Like, just randomly, he's like, man, I just kind of got an idea of what you should do. And I was like, what do you think? He's like, maybe you should work at the jail. And I was like... Work at the what? Jail. Huntington Jail. Like, how many unreached people are in there? Like, like that's... Like, I know I want to... Uh, I know I want to work with unreached people. Um, but, like... Yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking about working in the jail. And for... I don't know. If it doesn't work, then God wants me to do something else. But I don't really know what I'm going to do. Okay. It's kind of up to I'm waiting for God. Okay. Waiting for God meaning? I'm just going to keep praying about it. And when or if he puts an opportunity in front of me, then okay, I'm going to take it. And if not, then okay, I'm going to have to do something to make money. So Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about leading up to this. So, again, little background. So Shane and Jen, you know, Trey's mom... Their family came over with us to be able to help plant the church. Mm-hmm. So you have been involved. I mean, I know your family well enough. I mean, you have been involved. You grew up in a in a church where I don't have to ask you the question. So tell me a little bit about your history. I mean, you grew up in a home that yeah. God was a part of what was happening. Yeah. That God was a part of the things that we were you were doing, and so for people that are listening. So has all of your life been dedicated to the Lord, full out, sold out, I'm going to be a missionary? Or was it like, hey, I went through a period and God like got a hold of me at a time? And because the reason we want to talk about it, Trey, is a lot of people are, again, who don't know you, would listen to this podcast being, man, you know, I, that's what I want. I want to be able to be sold out. I want to be able to be open. I want to be able to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. But how did you get there? Oh, buddy. So the answer to that question is absolutely not. Like, I grew up on my parents' faith. Like, I never had any. And so, like, growing up on your parents' faith, like, there comes a point whenever you start to get old enough, you get to choose what you want to do and what you want to uh, put your life into and put your time into. And so for me, like... I would say up until seventh or eighth grade, like I was a part of the children's ministry here with Tyler Carr, mm-hmm. which was my age. And mm-hmm. then Tyler Harrison was the leader and like, it was very good uh, for a lot of it, but some like drama happened with me and T Carr. And so we were just like, we're done. Like, we're not going to come here anymore. If we're going to be like treated like this. And so, uh, so that was in like eighth grade. Whenever I, that was like, kind of like the moment. Whenever I was like, okay, I'm gonna s- step away. Right. I'm gonna step away from this. And so, from then on, it got into like trying new things, right? And so eventually, like me and all my friends found weed. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, the first time. Uh, <laughs> you can tell whatever you want. Nobody's uh, nobody's judging you. Well. I'll tell you after, but, <laughs> um, 
But the so why were you going to include one of my kids in it? I might have. I don't mind. I mean, I didn't. You can, you can talk about my kids. It doesn't bother so, me. So wow, that's pretty crazy. I never thought about it. So the first time that I smoked weed was the summer after sixth grade. Okay. And it was out back at your house <laughs> with Abby. And Abby. I was, <laughs> 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 oh, listen. Abigail! Oh, oh my no. God! Listen, nope. <laughs> I, again, nope. These are all. This is the way it works. So yeah, that was like the first time I was like, dude, this is freaking awesome. Oh. And so then, like that, <laughs> that led into like me and my friends, like I, me pulling my friends into like buying what's it was called a cart and a mm-hmm. pen. And so uh, that was freshman year. Like we. Uh, got a cart and a pen and we decided to start smoking weed and so that's whenever like that was the moment whenever i was like i just started to just like started this downward slope yeah. and so then like that's what we would do and that's like throughout all of high school like freshman year to junior year like that's what i would do is smoke weed or on the weekends or i would go and party and get drunk with my friends or like it was a lot of um, well, I think it was a lot of running away yeah. from a lot of the things that were going on in my life. And so, like, it was, like, an endless cycle of, like, guilt and depression and anxiety and all of these overwhelming thoughts of, like, just life. Yeah. And I didn't want them, so I would get high and I would forget about them yep. for as long as I could. And then I would wake up the next morning and it, they would all be right in front of me still yeah and feel guilty for doing it exactly i mean that's especially always, that's always the cycle right like mm-hmm. it's run away get away wake up it's still there yep and you especially know. like with like how much of a seed my parents planted in me like right. growing up in church like right. i knew what i was doing was wrong but i just didn't quite understand like how to fix it or right. why i would fix it right and so like um it was like a very vicious endless cycle of like that, like smoking weed, getting drunk constantly, always running away and just the, so much depression and hurt and anger inside of me. And then one night, um, Tyler Harrison, ironically <laughs> with Tyler Carr, um, he had this thing, I think it was called grow night or something like that. And they brought in like, rappers oh, like yeah, to the no. church yeah. yeah i remember that mm-hmm. it wasn't called grow night what's it called i don't know remember what it's called okay i forget what it was called too yeah. but ignite 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 ignite, yeah. ignite. Yeah. so we, i went to ignite uh with tyler carr and mitch my older brother was mm-hmm. our group leader for like us and like a group of guys and that's when it hit me and that's Ooh. when it sparked and like i was worshiping and like mm-hmm. i was able to like put my hands up for the first time wow. and i was like like that's mm-hmm. whenever god came into me and that's whenever like mm-hmm. I was decided to make that choice like I'm gonna go to church not because like my dad is telling me I need to go to church yeah. but I'm gonna go to church because I want to learn yeah, I want to know more and so that is when it started and then after that I kept doing what I was doing I knew I knew sure that God was in me and I knew that he wanted me but I didn't want to give up what I had yeah. because to me it was good right and it was fun right and so that is whenever, like, it was like, God, like, take this temptation away from me. And God would take the temptation away from me. Hmm. And then I would still go do it. And then, like, it just was, that started a new cycle. And then 
Um, that was eventually like I got, uh, I started realizing that like, if I wanted to stop doing these things, then I'm going to have to stop putting myself in those situations. Mm. And so that kind of led me astray from all my friends that I was always with was right. like, I can't be with you cause I don't want to do those things. And right. that's, that's what you do. Right. And so that is like, how'd that go? I you know what I mean because this is the this is the challenge everybody's in mm -hmm. I mean let's just be honest I mean you like might have a hard time mm -hmm. sharing your story but Judas that's so many kids stories today mm -hmm. right? absolutely like, mm -hmm. challenged didn't care for a while now I do care but I can't get out of it because I won't have a, a friend yeah. left like I won't have yeah. a person left that I could be with because I mean it's just culturally mm -hmm. whether it's smoking pot you know, whatever that stuff has just been become a cultural part of a norm of, yes, yeah, it's of normal. society today. It's fun. It's cool. So, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. So how did it go from that concept? How did your friends take it? What did um, well, they, I probably didn't handle it very well, but that's whenever God gave me Morgan. Oh. And so yeah. instead of going to hang out with my friends, I would be like, sorry, guys, can't hang out. You know, Morgan wants to hang out. Yeah. And so it was like, yada 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 like oh you care about your girlfriend like yeah. all this stuff like which is normal because like that's what i was doing <laughs> right um but like she was like she provided me with that safe place and that like like place of like like you don't have to do that here like i'm st like still gonna love you still gonna be your friend if you don't do that right and so for me personally like i was definitely blessed because god gave me a new friend mm. uh who didn't have a part in that right um yeah, so talk about that. How important has Morgan been in your faith journey? That's definitely like is weird it because like something that she talked about? Like is she a part of that? Is So that's kind of like something that like we were kind of like in the same place um of like being in our parents' faith our entire life. Mm. And like I knew I wanted to take my faith in my own hands, but mm -hmm. like I was kind of like showing her how to do that oh awesome so and then she was showing me things too of like so we definitely like benefited off of each other good um but yeah she's definitely been uh very good at challenging me in my faith and i would say like i do the same for her mm -hmm. um but no that's like something that we really didn't we talked about it a little bit but like our relationship wasn't based on God. Okay. It was based on like just being together and yeah. just like. So although it took a good step because it was a safe place and uh -huh. it got you out of one. It got me out of one you know, temptation. Which is ten it tends to be like if you watch journeys, you know, whether it's mine, yours or anybody's, you tend to get out of one and get into another one that's just not as bad. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not saying that that was bad, but you tend to get out of a situation that's not good, but then you get into a another situation where you're still trying to figure out how to honor God, but it's not completely. Exactly. And yeah. the only reason I'm saying that is just to give people hope. Like there's a journey through this. Like it's <laughs> usually not, Hey, cold Turkey. I went to ignite, gave my life to Christ and left for Africa no. for the rest of my life. No, that's not how it went. Right, that, yeah. Yeah. God I just was, think that's an important part of that yeah. for people to be able to see. Yeah. After ignite, like God, like I knew God was choosing to help me. Right. And God was helping me. It was whether I w chose to take that hope or not. And most right. of the time I didn't for a while. I sure. was like, thanks God. But like, I still want to do it anyways. I'm right. still going to do it anyways. Right. And so it was a lot of failure. And through that failure, that's whenever you start to learn like 
oh, I failed because of this. Mm-hmm. How can I correct that? So mm-hmm. it was definitely a huge journey like you're talking about. But yeah, I went from one temptation to another with Morgan. Right. And like that was just like a lot of lust in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And so then like we had to work through that. And I'm going from smoking weed all the time with my friends and getting drunk to being with Morgan all the time. And like we're putting ourselves into lustful situations where we're the only people in a room and right. it's like just stupid stupid <laughs> things that <laughs> right. people do like right and so then um like through that we started to go to church a little bit more like and then senior year high school like i was also um addicted to nicotine for like six years chewing or smoking or vaping vaping oh mm-hmm. got it um so I heard that's hard to get off of. You can't do it by yourself. Yeah. Like God helped me through that. Like okay. you can't do that by yourself. Okay. Um, cause that completely rewires your brain cells. Like the vaping? Mm. nicotine, all nicotine rewires your brain cells. Literally. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me, Jennifer? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Michael? Huh? What do you oh, think? Oh, listen, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just trying to decide how hard it would be for me to quit chewing. I yeah. told him the other day, I said, you know that gives you cancer of the mouth? Uh, I don't care. I'm yeah. going to have a hole. Do you I'm think like, you could oh right now? Oh, my gosh. Today? You know, just like as an example, I like I got up this morning at 4 or whatever, and I had a dip, and I haven't had a dip since, and I don't crave it. Yeah, you already had it today. Yeah, I know. Like you're, I used to only vape on the weekends, and so during the Seriously? whole week, I was fine. And you then, would not vape at all during the week? And then every weekend, like during quarantine. I'm and then, assuming a pure addiction, though, would be something like you can't go a day without it. No, man. It addiction's always looking different man there's no like <laughs> it's just like faith yeah like social drinking you yeah. know he did it socially probably yeah. more when he mm-hmm. vaped right so some people say i don't have to drink yeah. but when they're social settings then yeah, yeah. and then i would so, f- like know. if i wasn't with my friends for one weekend like i would fiend on the weekend and then throughout the week i'd be fine hmm. mm-hmm. so your yeah. body becomes yeah i probably should think about yeah doing something so anyway you got over <laughs> <laughs> you got over vaping yeah Okay. Because of God. And right. my sister also helped me a lot with that, mm. with being like the person like, okay. Like it was like a decision like, okay, if I vape, it's only going to be my vape and my sister has my vape. So I got to mm. ask her for my vape first. Oh, wow. And then if she says yes, then I'll vape. And okay. so I went to her and I like pleaded, mm. like my hands and knees, like, please. <laughs> and she's like, no. I was like, you have got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah. And so like Good over job, time, really. yeah, yes. over time I was like, it was like the urge. And I was like, oh. Like, the urge is here now, but, like, in 10 minutes, I'm not going to have this. I can get through the urge. Right. And so, like, God helped me realize that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, senior year, I quit vaping and smoking weed and drinking. And that was, like, an opportunity to be more of an example for, yeah. like, not just my friends, but also, like, people in my classes. And, like, I could actually, like, start talking mm-hmm. about God a little bit. Right. Which I was still scared to do. Because, like, it was my, like, first time ever doing it, basically. Like, I'm like, yeah, God's great. Right. But, so that was, like, an opportunity for me to, like, be an example of a righteous person. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, righteous person. And, like, being able to, like, give up those things for God. And so, yeah, that was um, good. And then, like, I was, like, I was definitely a lukewarm Christian, like you talk about. Mm-hmm. 
where I would choose when and I like was not like devoting anything to the Lord. It was just like, yeah, like I gave you these things, like that should be good enough. Right. I'm gonna keep doing me. Um, and then that's when Costa Rica came and I was like, holy crap, this yeah. is how you live on fire for God. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so talk to me about this because we're almost at the end. Uh, been talking an hour already. <laughs> so being a missionary. Yeah. So one of the the missing generation, right, in yeah. the United States of America is yeah. yours. Yeah. Right. So your generation is missing from the local church. Mm-hmm. Why? And what 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 do we need to do about it? If you want to talk about one of the best missional opportunities there are mm-hmm. in Children. any well, I'm just saying, like, you think today, They're your lost. generation, 18, 25. 24, 28, I mean, it just, yeah. people might give a different definition of that. Why, first of all, why is that generation missing? Look, more than ever before, right? Before, generationally, you, you tended to see some people kind of, you know, be gone, but they'd come back. Yeah, you know, your generation is missing in action. You're content with... Um, your uh, social media standing and you're content with sitting in your room for four hours on TikTok because it's easy and you're just... So what's it going to take? What's it going to take to reach your generation? Um, why, can't, why can't we reach them? Why aren't they coming to church? Well, how hard are you trying? great question i think that how hard are you trying is i think that is the question that you need to ask yourself anyone is like really take a step back be like yeah okay i talked to him like at the dinner table yeah for sure and things like that but whenever whenever a kid is sitting on their phone all day like that there's something wrong there Mm. like that's not normal a kid shouldn't be doing that Mm. and a lot of the time it's because there's hurt and they don't Mm. know how to deal with it and so instead of trying to deal with it, they like to ignore it and sit on their phone because it's such an easy distraction. Hmm. It's such a good plot by the enemy. Yeah. It's such a good plot. And so I think that the best way to reach a generation that's lost is to give everything you have in the moments that you get with them. Hmm. Because if... like it's so obvious that something's wrong whenever a kid, like whenever he gets uh, uncomfortable in any situation, the first thing he does is pull out his phone and just sits like this. Right. Like it's such an obvious thing that there's something wrong there. Hmm. Like, so how can I go up and try and distract him from his phone hmm. is what I think is like, how can I make this inclusive for him so that he doesn't want to be on his phone? He would right. rather be in this situation with us and be intentional with us. Right. I think. We'll talk about this programmatically. So there are some things that are just pure relational, right? So we're all going to be out in the world and we're going to be around some of us more than others, that age group. Yeah. So we get those opportunities. Talk now from a, from a church perspective, because one of the things you're searching for is what does God want you to do? Yeah. Right. So how is it? But when you're processing that, you know, God also gives us like a vision into not only the what, but the who. You know, sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. like the like, who are those people going to be? And so, from a programmatic standpoint, can the church create something? 
you know, we've talked about this all the time. If, if Trey Gerber came on and said, you know what, one of the ways to reach this generation is, you know, we talked about this adventure ministry for years, you know, somebody's going to come on and you're going to go on ski trips. You're going to go on whitewater rafting trips. You're going to go on hiking trips and you're going to get these group of people and it's mini missionary work, you know, so you gather these kids together, you, you know, you have a leader, you take them out west and they hike for a week and you camp in the mountains and in that you're building relationships and getting opportunities to work through hurt work through pain mm -hmm. work through you know you're taking them away because this is exactly what you said and i think this is the key for a generation that's hurting and in pain and distracted the only way to deal with the hurt is to get away from the distraction. Mm -hmm. You have to take them away. It's what happened with you. You mm -hmm. get away, you get to Costa Rica, mm -hmm. you see something that you would have never saw before. That's mm -hmm. why I've always prayed about somebody doing this adventure ministry, because I think the key to the reaching these groups of young people is to get them away from their distractions. Exactly. Do something. We don't know what it is. But here's what we know how God works. If you can get somebody away from a situation long enough and give God a chance, he tends to meet them. Yeah. He tends to speak to them. Now, <laughs> they might not come back and it might not be an immediate change, no. but it's, it's a seed, it's a plant, mm -hmm. it's something that happens there. Programmatically, if Trey Gerber came on and said, you know what, I'm going to do that. That's going to be my missionary journey. I'm going to be committed to reaching that generation of people. Would they come? Would it work? Um, it's like being fresh out of high school I'll tell you it's such such a hard thing to get people to commit because people will tell you to your face yeah dude I'll be there like that sounds awesome mm -hmm. and then they're not going to show up mm -hmm. that's just like how our generation is is trouble with that and all it takes is one kid to be like hey i heard about this like what do you think about it and they're like eh, it kind of sounds stupid like i don't want to go and then that kid's gonna be like oh he thinks it's stupid i think it's stupid mm -hmm. so that's like the hardest thing is to get kids to show up which i'm sure you already know but i think the a way to fight that would be actively pursuing the kids that already know God and kind of putting it on them to be the leader in their school and the light in their school and not reach the people that they think they need to reach, but reach the people that God wants them to reach. Because there's a lot of people that I thought, you know, I need to reach this person. But like you talked about in your sermons, like if that person's not ready, they're not ready mm -hmm. and you just got to move on. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing is like you can't, for me, is you can't get focused on the kids that you think you need to reach because they're not going to be willing. And the hurt kids that smoke weed all the time, mm -hmm. and, like, they know that, like, they most of them know there's a problem with them. Mm -hmm. And so if you give them this, like, opportunity and this chance to be like, hey, like, I don't even know. Like, you're hurting. Like, God's going to help you. And, like, I don't know. It's just, like, such a thing of, like, finding the right kids because it, there's so many kids that are just like shut you down instantly. Like, mm -hmm. so I think it's really like finding, I think it's all about finding a kid who's willing. And if a kid's not willing, he's not willing. And it's right. probably not usually up to him if he's willing or not. It's somebody else that mm -hmm. told him he's not willing. Mm -hmm. So I think, yeah, you just got to know your audience, mm -hmm. which is hard. And it, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm just convinced, and I, I just keep praying through this. I'm convinced that that is true, and we always know that's true, right? That people need to take time to invest into the people around them, the mm -hmm. people that are in your school and the people that are hurting. But because of the way things are going, unless there is a radical shift, unless something drastic happens... Mm -hmm. They ain't going to do it. Like, I think young people are so, like, distracted. Mm -hmm. And they're in this mindset of, like, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, that's what I mean. So yeah. that's why I was trying to figure out, from a church's perspective, I mean, we're committed. Like, mm -hmm. we've talked about it. You know, but when we say we're committed, we're committed to reaching them, not committed to certain things. And I've mm -hmm. just always continued to pray about because I... I think that's the, like the FOMO deal, like your generation, Lexi's generation, the fear of missing out, like that has worked in a good way, in a bad way, yeah. but it also could work in a good way. If you can get the right kids, because you're not, you have to find a base basically, because if you can start with the right kids and like who are going to show up, then those are the kids that are going to get everybody else to show up. But yeah, but the point is just, I'm saying is it's going to start with one. Exactly. Yeah. So it's going to take one. If you if you put something out there that says, you know what, let's go do this. I'm not talking about a week to week meeting. Like I don't think that's what changes the life of a kid. Yeah. I don't think it's youth group. Although I think youth group's good. I don't think it's small group. Although I think small group's good. You think it's something extravagant? Because these are things. These are things that are going to take kids who are willing and grow it. Yeah. Right. Like it's going to take these yeah. kids that are willing and it's going to grow it. I'm talking about to bridge the gap between the willing and the unwilling it's going to take a radical piece to wake some people up inside of that and that's why i brought up the hard for me to believe that if you offered a whitewater rafting trip in west virginia for kids to go on that you couldn't get anybody to go to and that they would commit to that like i think anybody would commit to that no I think a ski trip in Michigan, a well, I don't know. Everybody's so scared. Like it's so new. Like, huh? You think if you offered a whitewater rafting trip, nobody would go? I think some people would sign up, but then some people would be like, "Oh, I don't know anybody that's going. I don't want to go." Oh my gosh! Seriously, it's worse than I think. <laughs> that's my generation, buddy. Like people, <laughs> like you. There's everyone's scared of new, and everyone's scared of change, and yeah. they don't. What well, they don't like whitewater rafting? Cool. None of my friends are going. Why would I go? Yeah. Yeah. I, again, out of my element, but we're going to keep praying about it. So words of wisdom that you can give as we're signing off something that if you're going to tell somebody around your age, younger, a little bit older, like here's something you could do. Here's something you could pray about. Here's something. Well, like a lot of people I know, like my age, like, they already know there's a problem. Like, they've already been convicted of that. And the thing that they're struggling with is, like, finally taking that step away. Because mm -hmm. so many people I know are like, yeah, I know. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, but I still do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Our God is a jealous mm -hmm. God. And right now, like, you are held by the enemy. And... Our God is going to do whatever he can if you're willing 
to take you away from that. Mm. And so it's just like this huge trust thing and faith thing and just like being able to be like, okay, God, like I need help. Like that's all you got to do is ask God for help. Mm. And so, yeah, just just know that like everything in life is beatable because God has already won the battle. Mm. And if you sit with God through your trials and through your temptations, then he's going to bring you out on top. Like it's, it's so easy to just finally take a look back at my life and be like, God was literally there the entire time. Mm -hmm. Like, God is, you, God is him. And you surrendered. God is him. Yep. yep. You, God you is him. You're surrendering. Mm -hmm. Good. That's all you got to do. All right, Jennifer, you want to send us out? Sure. So if you're not part of our podcast texting group, you can text the word podcast to 260-408-8383. Let us know of any topics you would like us to um, talk about on the podcast or if you want to be a part of it or have <laughs> anybody you would like to see on, let me know that as well. Uh, it's a sign. It is a sign. I Did you hear is. him? Oh, eight three eight, eight three. three. Yeah. <laughs> no, Trey, this was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was good. Yeah, so Trey, I want to say I'm super proud of you. Yeah. You know, because it's a it's a cool thing. Number one, have enough courage to come on and say I was I had problems. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's I say that the key to anybody getting better or getting in the right direction is. just go ahead and admit that mm -hmm. you know we made mistakes and we all make mm -hmm. mistakes we're all going to continue to make mistakes mm -hmm. but proud of you to you know just keep going out there and trying to find where god wants you to be and being willing to take risks i mean that's the other thing is you mm -hmm. said that like getting to the place where you know you have a problem but you really, are you willing to take the risk yeah to move forward yeah and so i'm really proud of you to see that and super excited to see how god uses you in the future mm -hmm. So Thank you. thanks for being here. Yeah. All right. So don't forget uh, when Jennifer puts this out there, don't forget to share, like, comment on the post. <laughs> if you go on our YouTube, make sure that you leave comments. Like, comment, subscribe. <laughs> there you go. Please. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you do that. That way it gives us an opportunity for that to get out there. Trey's a second service guy. Absolutely. Bob. Yeah. So if you want to wake up early. Yeah. So if you want to. <laughs> Come see Trey, second service, Let me know. halfway in the back. You can't miss him. He's <laughs> 6'11", or whatever he is, so you, so you can't miss him. So, again, thanks, everybody, for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.